Welcome to A Reason for Hope. My name is Adrian, and I'm in studio live streaming from Tucson, Arizona, Calvary Christian Fellowship. And in studio with me is our senior pastor, Scott Richards. Hey. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, boy, I'm doing great. Lots to talk about today. Yes, indeed. Happy Monday. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, this is A Reason for Hope, a Bible answer program where you, our live streaming audience, can answer or ask questions, rather, about the Bible, the historic Christian faith. Is Christianity reasonable? Is it true? Why do Christians believe it? How to apply a specific passage to your life? And that, with many, many more questions, we'd encourage you to chime in. If you're going to follow us on uh, Facebook, you can just go to facebook.com and search for our church name, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, or you can go straight to our URL uh, on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash CCF Tucson. You can also catch us on YouTube. Simultaneously, we stream to both platforms. So you go to YouTube and just search for A Reason for Hope. And if you see that little red icon with the white dove, then you know you found us. <clears throat> you can go straight to our URL there as well. And that's youtube.com forward slash at A Reason for Hope 546. Now, if you want to avoid social media platforms altogether, you can also go to our website. That's CalvaryChristianFellowship.com. And just click on that little Watch Live tab, and that's how you can actually watch the live stream. So click Watch Live. There's a little chat box where you can ask your questions. Also, there's a little prayer button. So if you have something weighing heavy on your life and you would like us here, our prayer team, to pray for you, then please take advantage of that. If you're part of our community, we encourage you to download our app. We have uh, an app that you can... Uh, keep up with the community, with events, <clears throat> join or create chat groups. You also have a nifty little digital Bible where you can choose different translations. You can leave yourself notes, highlight texts, really awesome app. You can listen to all our past messages in our archives, including listening to live stream services. For example, if you want to <clears throat> catch our Wednesday evening Oasis service, and you happen to be traveling or something, you can do so just using the app. You can download that from the Apple or Google Play Store. Also, if you have a Amazon smart device or a Roku smart device to consume digital content, you can add our channel to those devices. I'd encourage you to do so. Now, if you have a question for this program, a reason for hope, you want to do so uh, a little more discreetly, avoiding social media altogether, you can simply email us. That's questionsforhope at gmail.com. So you can email us at questionsforhope at gmail.com. Last but not least, I'd encourage you to follow our senior pastor on X, formerly Twitter, and his handle for that is at ScottR4H. That's at ScottR4H. And just so you know, we do do this program every weekday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So... Wherever you are in the world, if you can kind of track time zones and you want to join us and ask a question, or if you uh, don't know if you can make it at that time, just take advantage of that email address and we'll get to those questions. Eventually we get to all of them, even if we miss it during the program. <clears throat> With that being said, let's take a moment to uh, pray and get to the current news and your questions. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be able uh, not just to uh, keep appraised of the things that are happening uh, in the visible, in the physical, in the political, even the military realm, but Lord, uh, realizing that all these things we see are just the tip of the iceberg, that the real battle is going on in the realm of the spirit 
Uh, Lord, we don't uh, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, Lord, because of that, we need your full armor more than anything else. And so I pray for those who are joining us on the broadcast that they might just take a moment and join me in prayer and ask, Lord, that first you would gird our waist with truth, that you would put uh, on a, across our hearts the, the breastplate of righteousness, that you would shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel, we'd be ready to share our faith as you provide those divine appointments and opportunities, that overall we'd have the shield of faith where we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, keeping our eyes on you and trusting in you, not giving way to despair or distraction. Uh, Lord, we pray the helmet of salvation would guard our minds, that we would learn to think your thoughts after you as we allow your word to dwell in our hearts richly. And and Lord, take the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, uh, that uh, wonderful tool that we can use for each and every battle that we face. Lord, energize that armor, Lord, through prayer and through uh, prophecy, uh, through causing the morning star to rise in our hearts and uh, for us to be able to see clearly what your plans are for not just this world in general, but for our lives, that we could be fruitful and beautiful in your eyes, Lord, that you could look upon us and, and be pleased with us, Lord, because uh, we're simply holding out your words of life and truth in this world where that is so desperately necessary. Father, we pray that every aspect of this program, uh, even the questions that we answer, would bring glory to you. And thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity each and every day to be able to share your word in this format. Uh, as it goes out around the world, I pray many hearts will be touched. I pray that many who are on the outside looking in at a personal relationship with you would be drawn to a, a saving knowledge of you and that uh, your people would be built up, strengthened, and equipped to be able to carry on in these uh, challenging, difficult, but uh, incredibly wonderful days in terms of opportunities to be able to impact people with your life and your love. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. So a lot's been going on, uh, obviously, in the world, but uh, it seems like every day, especially when we hit a weekend, we're... we're uh, the news, kind of the news cycle changes a little bit. Uh, what do you have for us? Oh, boy. Uh, lots uh, going on. Uh, you know, anytime uh, we go uh, more than a couple of days here on the program, there's a lot of catch-up uh, that we've got to do. You know, over the last uh, few weeks, we've taken a little bit of a break from our verse-by-verse -verse study in the book of Acts uh, to uh, focus in on matters of biblical prophecy. Yesterday, we talked uh, about uh, three essential uh, truths that every believer needs to understand about uh, the rapture of the church. First mm -hmm. of all, the, the fact that Jesus could come at any time. There's no prophecy of Scripture that has to be fulfilled before Jesus could fulfill what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, describes as uh, the Lord descending from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ rising first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord for comfort one another with these words. Mm. That's what the rapture is all about. But a lot of times uh, the discussion of the rapture kind of uh, leads out into the weeds. There's a lot of debates about the timing of the rapture. There's some who will even deny that uh, there's a rapture. There's some who will say, well, the word rapture is not in my Bible. Well, that's easily answered. It's uh, a word that comes from the Latin Vulgate, uh, the word uh, rapio, raptus. Uh, in its origins in Latin, uh, literally means to snatch up. So if you don't like calling it the rapture, you can call it the harpazo. That's what That's the, the Greek, Greek word, word is. It, yeah. right. or, or you can uh, call it the catching up or the great snatch.
not sure, but whatever <laughs> you'd like to call it. But it is an event that is going to happen. Now, the great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, what we, uh, what we wanted to emphasize in our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 50, verses 50 through 58, uh, there's three things that a proper understanding of the fact that Jesus could come for us and snatch us out before the storm uh, really drives home to us in that passage. Hmm. First of all, the rapture teaches us an awful lot about grace. Uh, why should we be raptured out before uh, the coming of the Lord? Well, uh, for the same reason that we are given a pass on uh, eternal destruction and uh, eternal judgment uh, and eternity spent separated from God. It's because of God's grace. Uh, the time of the tribulation, that final seven-year period where we see so many world events uh, coming online uh, that uh, seem to be indicating we're getting close, is described in Scripture as a time of God's wrath. Well, God has not destined us for wrath, but for salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 8 through 10 tells us. So uh, the first thing we need to understand is that the rapture teaches us about God's grace. It also teaches us about our place because it also tells us that we're going to be transformed into glorious resurrection bodies and that we're going to be present with the Lord forever. And so when we understand the rapture, uh, we become less attached to the here and now as far as our source of significance and security. And we realize that we've got a, a heavenly home uh, prepared by the Lord. He's going to prepare a place for us, going to receive us again to himself that where he is there we may be also. But the other thing that it does is that it allows us to run our Christian race in a most effective mm. way. Uh, you know, I just loved how Paul says that we should be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is going to be uh, richly rewarded by the Lord when he comes. Uh, and so uh, those who have a weather eye on the sky, if you will, those who live each day as if the Lord could come at any moment, uh, tend to focus in on eternal things. They tend to focus in on developing their faith, and without faith, it's impossible to trust God. Uh, they tend not to get so caught up in the temporal as much as look at things from the eternal, and these are all things that are a real blessing in our lives. So if you'd like to explore that a little bit more deeply, go online. Uh, we've uh, got uh, a study on that that we call Operation Evacuation, uh, and you can get real practical with this doctrine of the rapture. And having said that, boy, uh, you know, what about the signs of the times? What about uh, where, uh, you know, where we stand in these days? Well, an awful lot going on, not just in Israel, but in uh, the Middle East. Uh, as far as Israel is concerned, uh, the latest uh, reports that we have gotten as far as the uh, battle between Israel and the terrorists of Hamas is that Israel has effectively encircled uh, northern Gaza City, uh, all the way out to, to the beachfront. Uh, it is controlled by the IDF, and they are within uh, a couple hundred meters or a couple hundred yards of uh, the uh, complex uh, known as the Shafi Hospital uh, during that time. Now, a lot of talk about that particular site uh, because uh, Israel has uh, been criticized for attacking hospitals, and my goodness, you know, there's 1,500 patients and, you know, 400 staff there, and how could Israel attack this? Well, uh, again, underneath this complex uh, is the uh, headquarters, the command and control center of Hamas. Uh, some fascinating uh, pictures that have been uh, shared online. And by the way, if you want to stay up to date on some of these things, I would encourage you to uh, download the uh, Telegram app 
on your phone or on your computer and uh, follow Amir Surfati, A-M-I-R-T-S-A-R-F-A-T-I. Great, great resource hmm. as far as uh, up-to-the-minute <clears throat> clips and, and, and insights. Telegram? Yes. Telegram. Yeah, he's on Telegram there. He's also on Instagram. Uh, some of the stuff uh, that he has put up before uh, has uh, been censored on other platforms, but these are the ones that are the most effective. So highly encourage you to take a look at what's going on there. Uh, but Amir talks about the fact that uh, this uh, complex is uh, surrounded by the IDF within a few hundred yards. The fighting is intense hmm. at this point because, again, Hamas has positioned its uh, <clears throat> best and most well-equipped fighters to defend, obviously, uh, its commanders. Uh, there's also a huge network of underground tunnels that have been built underneath this hospital complex uh, that support uh, the uh, terrorists in Hamas and uh, their uh, their endeavors uh, against the IDF. So a uh, really crucial battle if uh, this particular structure goes down and these commanders are taken out. Uh, it's going to be almost a death blow uh, to Hamas in that region. Now, I'm not saying that it's all going to be over but the shouting because uh, when you're dealing with urban warfare like this, very, very difficult to route out all the bad actors. This could go on for months. But uh, the, the bottom line is uh, this de- series of developments has uh, gotten uh, so uh, interesting that apparently it's rattled the cage of uh, even uh, the uh, leadership in Iran. Uh, yesterday, uh, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, med- met with the Prime Minister of Iraq and communicated to him a number of messages that he wanted uh, the Prime Minister of Iraq to deliver to the Mad Mullahs in Tehran. Well, uh, apparently after that meeting with the Prime Minister of Iraq, the Mad Mullahs in Tehran uh, went out of their way to call for an immediate ceasefire and that peace needs to prevail in this particular region. Uh, Probably a really good indicator that uh, they are seeing that their main proxy in this region is uh, going down, facing extinction. And if that happens, understand something. Iran's main strategy is not to use their own Iranian Republican Guard Corps units, uh, but to use other uh, terrorist groups, terrorist proxies, to do their bidding, to keep their troops out as long as they can. And, you know, again, when you study the, uh, you know, like uh, von Clausewitz on war or, or uh, Sun Tzu on the art of war. Both of these generals agreed that uh, if you have any other proxies you can send into battle, send them first. Don't waste your own troops when you can waste somebody else's. So that's certainly what's going on there. But if Hamas collapses like a house of cards in Gaza, well, what kind of signal is that going to send to other terrorist groups like Islamic Jihad or like Hezbollah? Can they really count on the Iranians? Can they really look to uh, the promises that they've made of glorious Allah-inspired victory? It be a very, very serious blow to morale as far as these individuals are concerned. Speaking of which, uh, Hassan Nasrallah, the individual who last Friday delivered probably one of the most dud speeches uh, in the history of uh, ginning people up for warfare, he claimed that, well, of course, Hamas or Hezbollah is going to attack Israel. We've been attacking them ever since October 8th. <laughs> well, that was probably one of the most lame and under, uh, underwhelming declarations of war we've ever heard. However, he has uh, pushed back the date to next Saturday for another major speech 
that is Martyrs Day, by the way, on the uh, Islamic calendar. And coinciding with Martyrs Day, he says he's going to make a major uh, declaration that uh, is going to cause all the enemies of Islam Hmm. to quake in their boots. So um, responding to that, uh, the head of uh, the Israeli Defense Forces and Benjamin Netanyahu both had statements that were eerily similar in terms of their content. Both of them cautioned Hezbollah in Lebanon from getting involved in this battle because if they did, they would see a reprisal that is beyond their imagination to comprehend. Mm -hmm. Both of them used the same language. Now, whether that is a way of saying that Israel is going to uh, respond with overwhelming force in ways that we can't understand, or whether Israel has a few weapons up their sleeves that uh, the Islamic foes have not seen as of yet, well, uh, we'll find out if that, Mm -hmm. in fact, does happen. But Israel, very, very serious about all of this. As far as the physical war goes, uh, not uh, things are not just heating up as far as what's going on in Gaza. Uh, things are heating up as far as Iran is concerned, especially Iran as it relates to the United States. Uh, another update on uh, military developments in that area was issued earlier today. Uh, Republican and Democratic Senators Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal are expected to present a bipartisan resolution that would support a direct American attack on Iran if Hezbollah opens a second front on Israel's northern border or if Americans are killed in the attacks of the pro-Iranian militias in Iraq and Syria. Well, one thing that has been happening on a regular basis that is really underreported is that Shiite, that is Iranian-controlled militias, have been launching missiles and drones at American emplacements inside Syria and inside Iraq. So far, no U.S. casualties. But if there are U.S. casualties, we've seen two U.S. senators on either side of the aisle saying, um, we're going to push for an all-out war with Iran. How serious a threat is this? Well, uh, another very interesting uh, summary. Uh, Again, Amir Serfati posts this on his Telegram website uh, is Telegram Updates, but and you can read it at your leisure. But let me give you some of the highlights. A significant military escalation is taking place in the Middle East as the United States deploys an impressive array of strategic assets, including B-1B Lancer bombers. One of these bombers, recently seen flying over Saudi Arabia, was equipped with a sniper shooting system, an advanced targeting system that enables precise attacks from long distances. The development implies preparation for possible conflicts where Iran seems to be the focus of interest. In a significant show of force, two B-1B Lancer bombers were stationed in Turkey close to Iran. These bombers are not only capable of carrying nuclear warheads, but are now in a position to use over 50 B-61 drop nuclear bombs stored at the Incirlik Air Base in Turkey under NATO's nuclear sharing program. In other words, they not only have nuclear missile capability, they have these precision-guided uh, lower-yield, but uh, a lower-yield nuclear bomb, is there is, if there is such a thing, that sounds pretty <laughs> serious. Adding to the strategic confusion is the uh, movement of the Ohio-class submarine, considered a critical element of the U.S. nuclear triad, into the area of responsibility of the U.S. Cent- Central Command. The submarine may be the USS Florida, which carries Tomahawk cruise missiles with nuclear warheads. 
has become a key asset to any aggressive or retaliatory nuclear strategy. The deployment of F-15E Strike Eagles in Jordan also contributes to this buildup. These aircraft are especially adapted for deep strike missions and are the only aircraft approved to carry the B-6112, the latest generation of nuclear drop nuclear bombs, characterized by advanced guidance system for maximum accuracy. Don't know how accurate you need to be with a nuclear bomb. Kind of like yeah. hand, grades, hand grenades and horseshoes, close probably counts. <laughs> But uh, the, uh, the fact is, uh, we see this happening and these uh, jets being stationed in Jordan. Now, that's a significant development yeah. because it tells us that for all the blustering and saber rattling and movement of, uh, say, uh, heavy armor uh, close to the border of Israel, uh, Jordan does not appear <clears throat> to be wanting to take Iran's side against Israel in this battle, which is incredibly good news for uh, Israel in this set of circumstances. Uh, the broad military context, we're told in this report, involves a provision of impressive troop force in the region, including the Eisenhower and Gerald Ford attack carrier groups, a Marine unit, two French helicopter carriers, and the British aircraft carrier HMS Queen Elizabeth. Political actions are taking place at the same time as the military buildup. The House of Representatives recently approved a resolution by an overwhelming majority that requires preventing Iran from becoming a nuclear power. Moreover, senior senators are considering a bipartisan resolution that could pave the way for an official declaration of war on Iran, as we mentioned earlier. A concentration of military alertness and the political will indicates an unprecedented level of preparedness for conflict that may include nuclear weapons. Now, the only reason a nuclear weapon would be used would be that it would take a nuclear weapon or the so-called bunker busting bombs like the Moab bomb, which is almost uh, as destructive as a nuclear bomb, although it is conventional. It doesn't have any of the nuclear fallout associated with it. Hmm. But these particular weapons would be necessary to be able to get to the hardened nuclear development facilities that Iran has placed literally underneath mountains, hmm. uh, tunneled in there to uh, be able to be resistant to an attack. Uh, a nuclear bomb would be sufficient to overcome those obstacles. Wow. So uh, uh, again, we see uh, the presence of these B-1B Lancer bombers with their nuclear capabilities and advanced targeting systems is indicative of the United States preparation for a high-precision, high-risk operation as vast amounts of equipment, munitions, and people continue to be moved into the region, the possibility of an aggressive nuclear attack on Iran becomes more and more likely, especially in light of heightened security concerns and recent attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria. In summary, the situation is dire, with military, political, and strategic indicators pointing to an imminent confrontation in the Middle East where the United States and its allies appear poised uh, to uh, really do some serious damage to Iran, to engage Iran directly. Now, this is fascinating, especially in light of the fact that we are also seeing that uh, serious pressure is being put on uh, Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine to come to a peace agreement with Russia. In other words, uh, the United States appears to be tiring, our, our allies appear to be tiring, of this standoff. And if uh, such a treaty is arrived at, understand what that will mean. Uh, over two years ago, when this conflict began, 
Russia immediately moved into a region called the Donbass, which gave them a, a land bridge between uh, Russian territory and Crimea, which gives Russia access to the Black Sea, which is very strategic in that particular area. Uh, Russia was able to take that very early on in the war. There's been some give and take, but Russia has solidified its hold on this particular uh, strategic mm. strip of land. If uh, Ukraine, under Zelensky, decides to go to the negotiating table with uh, Ukraine, probably to negotiate a peace on the condition that Ukraine would make a promise not to join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. Well, uh, if that happens, all this could have been resolved two years ago hmm. with a, a great uh, reduction in the amount of loss of life and uh, damage uh, to the countries involved. Uh, you know, the only ones that seem to be profiting from any of this uh, is the military industrial complex and uh, the individuals who are supported by such uh, apparatus. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing uh, just some really amazing things on as far as wars and rumors of wars that Jesus told us about. Uh, another very interesting development that we'll keep you apprised of is it appears that China is now about to enter into some extensive war games in the strait between China and Taiwan. Now, whether China feels that the United States and its allies are stretched too thin, and this would be their great opportunity to be able to try to seize the island of Taiwan, mm. uh, we're going to have to see. But suffice it to say, we have never seen uh, this amount of uh, wars and rumors of wars, particularly revolving around Israel, I think, in the history of this program. And uh, these were things that Jesus told us to look at as birth pains that would increase in frequency and intensity as the time of his return drew near. Now, speaking of warfare, and I kind of want to wrap up with this so we can get to any questions that you all have uh, about anything. Obviously, we're focusing in on biblical prophecy here. We're focusing in on world events. But if you have other questions, we'd certainly welcome those as well. But uh, there's another war that is going on that I think is even more disturbing uh, from my point of view. I don't know about you, Adrian, but uh, when uh, you see something as horrific and Holocaust-like as the uh, provocation that Hamas entered into uh, with Israel, there was a fascinating post uh, that uh, asked the question, what do these years have in common? 1937, 1947, 1967, 1991, 2001, 07, 08, 10, 13, 19, and 2020. What do these years have in common? A, these are years where Israel accepted peace treaties with their Arab neighbors, offering painful concessions, including land for peace. B, these are years the Arabs rejected the peace treaty uh, with Israel and uh, opened fire because they want no Israel. Or C, all of the above. I would guess all of the above. All of the above <laughs> is, is definitely what's going on there. And so when you see something so horrific, like the uh, unprovoked attack of Hamas, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, upon uh, innocent civilians, uh, you, you see politicians uh, trying to spin this as saying, well, you know, we're all complicit to some degree. You know, the Palestinians have suffered. Yeah, the Palestinians have suffered, and I'll tell you why they've suffered. Mm -hmm because these madmen, these religious fanatics, who believe uh, the teachings of their false prophet that their holy duty is to wipe out the Jews, 
use every single resource they have, not to govern, not to give better lives to their people, but to wipe out the nation of Israel by any means necessary. And That's what you, they mean by free Palestine. Yeah, well, when, when they chant, yeah. when they chant, and in a, a U.S. a member of the U.S. House of Representatives uh, not only chanted this but tried to defend this. When they say, "From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free," uh, what they're referring to is the Jordan River mm-hmm. to the Mediterranean Sea. And we could ask the question: Free? In what sense? Well, free in the same sense that Adolf Hitler wanted Germany free of Jews. Mm -hmm. Their goal is to destroy Israel. That's why they call it the occupation. Right. Because they don't want any Jews present, period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the occupation is shorthand for any form of the nation of Israel. And when you see something that is this evil, this flat-out evil, uh, you know, I mean, the old saw goes that history teaches us that man learns nothing from history— but World War II was not that long ago. We have Holocaust survivors. We have uh, all kinds of uh, media where you can see just how awful and atrocious the death camps were beyond almost human uh, comprehension as far as what the Nazis did. And yet, and yet, on major college campuses and in uh, Western uh, so-called uh, enlightened uh, capitals across the world, Huge demonstrations, chanting things like yeah. from the river to the sea, uh, Palestine will be free. Uh, you know, some even worse, some have even just put their get cards the on the Jews. table get saying the gas <laughs> the Jews, oh. a direct reference to the Holocaust. Uh, these are in Ivy League schools, yeah. right? These are people who should know better. So where does all this come from? You know, I mean, these are not unintelligent people. These are not people that don't have access to education or information. Well, there's a fascinating uh, essay written by Dr. Ray Rooney of the American Family Association. He said this, I've never really been one to hyperventilate every time something happens that can be construed as fulfilling end times prophecy. I'm not a fan of the Left Behind series or books or movies. I quit buying books written by Christian celebrities, which is an oxymoron, telling us just how close we are to the rapture and the Great Tribulation. However, the events of the last month concerning the attack on Israel by Hamas terrorists and the subsequent unveiling of a massive surge of anti-Semitism worldwide have led me to believe the end is near. Who knew that our supposedly elite universities in America were breeding grounds and incubators of anti-Semitism? What kind of people openly celebrate the murder and decapitation of Jewish babies? How in the world can the White House pick this particular time to roll out, quote, a national strategy to counter Islamophobia? This is beyond tone deafness. Now, this is where it gets interesting. He says, this is delusion. This is strong delusion. Only now is the biblical description of the end times in general, the Battle of Armageddon in particular, starting to make sense. Mm. God is sending strong delusion. Second Thessalonians chapter two is the reference to those who already despise his will for mankind so they can take that final logical step, declare war against God and against his anointed. I used to wonder about Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus predicts people will argue with him on judgment day. They think he isn't getting it right. Do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? This isn't a roundtable religious argument among theologians. These are people who are before the throne of the king of the universe, complaining that he doesn't know what he's doing. How is that even possible? Delusion. Strong delusion. 
Peter predicted that towards the end, people would mistake God's long-suffering and patient desire that all should come to repentance for weakness. However, the apostle warned the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar. That roar comes from the returning Jesus. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. The days of choosing sides are rapidly coming to an end. Mm. We are living in a world where people are taking to the streets and chanting, quote, gas the Jews. Jewish students in a New York university were terrorized by pro-Palestinian demonstrators. Despite video proof to the contrary, members of our own government continue to assert that Israel bombed a hospital in Gaza, killing 500 people. This has been completely and totally discredited. Truth doesn't matter anymore. Only the narrative. How can this be? Delusion, strong delusion. Is God worried about the reception that he will be, that will be waiting to greet his son when he returns? Psalm 2 and verse 4 says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. The point of no return, he writes, uh, Dr. Rooney writes, may be much closer than we realize. Mm. Think cogently and clearly while you still can because the strong delusion has begun. Now, what's the antidote for the strong delusion? Those who are taken in by the strong delusion, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, mm-hmm. are those who did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Mm. In other words, you know, God has given us this tremendous, amazing gift in his word. Uh, we're, we're told that it is the word of God that literally leads us to salvation. We've been born again, not with corruptible seed, but incorruptible, the living and active word of God. Uh, But every time that a person hears God's word, hears the truth about Mm -hmm. Jesus, that he died for us, that he paid the price for our sins, that he is God in human flesh, that he proved that beyond a shadow of doubt by rising from the dead in a moment of history, and that he will save anyone who simply puts their faith and their trust in Mm -hmm. him, Every time you hear that message and go, nah, I don't think so. No, I've got other things going on. Or no, I'd rather belong to this group over here who doesn't feel that way. Every time that happens, uh, the heart gets hardened and strong delusion becomes more and more a possibility, if not a reality. There does come a time like Pharaoh of Egypt. Remember the first five plagues of Egypt? It says that Pharaoh hardened Egypt his heart and wouldn't let the people go mm. on plague number six. And I don't know why it was plague number six, but on plague number six, it says that God hardened mm. Pharaoh's heart, gave Pharaoh exactly what he wanted. And then it alternates from then on. Pharaoh hardens his heart. Yeah. God hardens his heart. So the Bible's advice to you, if you're hearing this message, if you're hearing about these things is today is the day of salvation today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart because you don't know if you're going to get another shot, if your heart is going to be too hardened, if you're going to get to a place where that strong delusion becomes so much a part of your heart and your consciousness that you really not only won't believe, but you get to a place where, I mean, this is frightening. You can't believe. Hmm. That's really, really an awesome thought. Reminds me of that. Romans chapter 1 state of the world where people were so wanting to exchange worship of the creator and worship the creation and pleasure that eventually God just gave them over to 
a debased mind. Yeah. Just, okay, if that's what you want, then I'm going to just make it easy for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Chuck Smith was fond of, uh, of uh, quoting a an old hymn, uh, There is a line we know not where uh, that runs betwixt hope and despair. Uh, you know, there is a line that can be crossed mm. where a person can't come back again. How do you encourage believers who don't pay attention to eschatology or just don't have, they've boggled themselves down in, in the worries of this world. You know, they're believers, but they don't necessarily look at life with an eternal perspective. Maybe they've got some bit, whatever the reasons are, you know, my neighbor was a Christian and a, a bad person, whatever it may be. Yeah, he ripped I, me off on a multi-level <laughs> marketing scheme. <laughs> you know, there's just this apathy that starts to develop. How, how do you how do you shake someone out of? I mean, I, obviously, you no one, none of us can. Only well, the you Spirit, just you, you just answered your question, right? Uh, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit has come, He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the essential mm -hmm. things we have to understand come into a relationship with God. Sin that mm -hmm. we've got a problem that we were separated from God by our sin and our unbelief, our rebellious attitude mm -hmm. towards Him that manifests itself in all kinds of rebellious actions. Mm -hmm righteousness that is a right relationship with god is made possible because the only one who lived a righteous life jesus mm -hmm. laid down that righteous life on a cruel roman cross to pay the price for our sins mm -hmm. and judgment that each and every one of us will be held accountable for all of the times we got an opportunity to say yes or no mm -hmm. to that offer of salvation and that our eternity is literally going to be decided by whether we say yes or no to a saving relationship with Jesus. But if the Holy Spirit, right, doesn't open your eyes to this, it, it takes a miracle. The natural mm. man doesn't receive the things mm. of the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says. For they are foolishness to him. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Now, don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit is not here primarily to uh, give Christians Holy Ghost goosebumps <laughs> or, or, or to, uh, you know, cause us to uh, weep tears when the right series of songs are played in a service or to uh, demonstrate uh, silly things like uh, turning silver fillings into gold. Uh, the Holy Spirit is here uh, because this world is like the Titanic. Mm. We've hit the iceberg. It's going down. And the Holy Spirit is heading up the rescue mission, telling people they can get into the lifeboat mm. that God has provided, or they can go down with the ship. But every person's got to make that decision. So, uh, you know, I had a seminary prof who always used to tell us it does far more good to plead with God about men than to plead with men about God. Uh, mm. and, and I think that's really profound. Wow. Uh, if we know people that, you know, you know we love, but maybe they're, they're hardened, maybe they're, they're distant, maybe, you know, like you say, they've got all kinds of excuses as to why they don't want to know the Lord, pray, mm. pray that the Lord rocks their world, pray, you know, the most dangerous prayer, whatever it takes, Wow. wake them up. Mm. And, you know, here's the, the, the coolest thing about that, Adrian, and, and why I quit worrying so much about these sort of things when I understood this. God is so interested in saving my unsaved loved ones that he sent his son Jesus to die in their place on a cross. Mm. He was that committed to saving them, making it possible. And if he did all that to make salvation possible, even raising his son from the dead, 
to give us absolute evidence that uh, this is the way to eternal life. This is the way to know God truly. If he was willing to do that, to go to such lengths to make salvation possible, what makes me think he isn't going to do every single thing Hmm. necessary to make salvation practical and personal? And uh, he uses us, you know. I mean, that's, that's the thing that really amazes me. He uses people like you and me to accomplish this. We get the opportunity to be able to speak God's word and his word never returns void. And, you know, even though God does all the work, um, you know, we're going to get an eternal reward for all of that. Hmm. And, and, and sometimes I think uh, one of the things that we need to understand is people are a lot more open to the gospel than we give them credit. Hmm. We just sort of assume they're not interested or they're going to give us a hard time. And some people will. Some people aren't going to be interested. Hmm. But boy, there are some people you'll run into, and I run into them all the time at church, that are falling off the, the vine ready to receive the Lord, hmm. you know? And I mean, to the point where they'll say things like, yeah, 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 I, I just want to know how I, how I can get Jesus in my heart. <laughs> okay, let's do it, you know? So, um, you know, we need to be praying, you know? I, you know, the, the, the thing that we need to understand, and I think I put this up on my Twitter feed before uh, the program, is we see all these physical signs of uh, instability in this world, military signs, uh, the words World War III are being bandied about uh, even in, in the, the, the halls of power. Uh, you know, political signs, the, 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 the way uh, the, the world is shaping up, the different power structures and the people that are aligning against each other. All of these things uh, seem really impressive to us, but they are the tip of the iceberg compared to the real battle that is going on. Hmm. The real battle goes on in the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And like we prayed before the, the program, well, we've got to put on that full armor of God mm -hmm. and realize we're not fighting yeah. against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. against principalities, powers, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, already defeated by Jesus when he rose from the cross. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory mm -hmm. in the Christian like life, that. which is a really beautiful thing. But it's a fight nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And I really like what... Uh, Chuck Missler, the uh, famous Bible teacher, used to say about this, the biggest problem we as Christians make is that we confuse this world with a playground instead of a battleground. Hmm. Wow. We all think it's here for our amusement <clears throat> instead of realizing we're on a mission. Yeah, that we just have our get-out-of-fire-free card. Yeah. And we're just here to enjoy the show and then Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean, when we get that through our mind, then... You know, things like, say, prosperity, gospels, and things mm -hmm. like that aren't going to have a hold on us because we're going to realize that we're here for a reason. The reason isn't my comfort. Mm -hmm. The reason isn't my bank account. The reason isn't me living in the lap of luxury. Yeah. You know, could you imagine if you'd been part of uh, those troops that landed uh, at Normandy mm -hmm. and got out of uh, your, your landing craft and were shocked and surprised the Germans were shooting at you? <laughs> You know, well, wait a minute. Where's where's the concession stand? Where where are the beach umbrellas? Come on, where's the volleyball nets? Yeah. That's not what Omaha Beach was all about. Yeah. And Jesus made it pretty clear that they're going to hate us on on his account, yeah. on account of him, not because they hate us, but because they hate him. And it makes perfect sense. Someone said, I was I can't remember where I was listening to is why is there so much anti-Semitic sentiment around the world? And it's because people know in their heart of hearts that this is the proclamation of that the, the judeo-christian worldview is true and that god as paul said to 
uh, in Acts 17, God has appointed a day where he will judge the world in righteousness. Yeah. And people hate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, interesting. Uh, we're told in Revelation chapter 12, a, a interesting scenario, uh, a, an opportunity to be able to see the spiritual battle that goes on. And in verse seven, it says, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with a dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor is a place found for them in heaven any longer. So that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has but a short wow. time. And that's in the middle of the tribulation. Right. That's terrifying because as that passage indicates, day and night before God accusing the brethren. That means he's pulling a job on all of us every day and every night. Right. Look at what Adrian did. Yeah. Oh, did you see that that Pastor Scott, he's really a pastor for your church and look at look at his act. I, you know, I make his job easy sometimes. <laughs> but yet if that's the case and this is the way the world is, I can't imagine this contrast when he's been cast out along with all his rebellious angels that have followed him stuck on earth woe to you is true <laughs> yeah well you know but the, you raise a question why the anti-semitism well because satan hates the jews mm. he hates the woman who gave birth yeah. to the child who was going to rule all the nations with a rod of iron he hates the woman who brought the child into mm. the world who's going to crush the serpent's head mm. that is israel mm. uh, and uh, because of that uh, because jesus came through Israel, because yeah. he is the God-man and still Jewish, mm -hmm. uh, Satan hates the Jews most of all, which tells me that if I really want to get his goat, so to speak, I should be supporting the Jewish people in whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. You know, sharing God's truth with them, for sure. Uh, they, you know, like you say, hardening in part has happened uh, to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Over a million professing Messianic Jews who accept Jesus as their Messiah in the world. Certainly that tide is turning and we need to be willing to share but when we see israel god's chosen people the sons and daughters of abraham isaac and jacob being attacked being uh just completely tortured uh you know again uh, treated in ways that would almost make hitler and his ss blush um yeah. we need to be standing with them period it's hard to believe that a congressperson <clears throat> who happens to be Palestinian, so it's not surprising they would have this view, but would call them freedom fighters and would say that America disagrees with you, Mr. President, that uh, we should be so supportive of Israel yeah, because of these thousands and thousands of protesters that we've been seeing around. Well, that doesn't campuses. surprise me. If you are a person who identifies as a Palestinian and you're a thoroughgoing Muslim, you know, who believes the words of your prophet that says that your highest duty is to kill Jews, mm. uh, who provided the example of this at the Battle of the Trench by personally killing 600 to 800 Jews in one day. Mm. Um, you know, I can understand, you know, if, if you believe that sort of thing. What I have a harder time understanding 
is that so-called uh, atheists and skeptics and humanists on Ivy League campuses feel the same way. Mm, yeah. And That's that, where it gets And crazy. that Americans would continue to vote this person and keep them in office. Yeah. <laughs> in the land of the free, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a reason they call Dearborn, Michigan now Dearbornistan. Ugh. Because yeah. it is a, a hugely Muslim area. Muslim immigrants have, have <clears> moved in and pretty much uh, dominated the area. And they have their political representation, as they should, in, in a uh, representative democracy. And that's the great big part of the delusion is that, you know, when you talk about white supremacists and that people know that this is rooted in some kind of Nazi-esque view of the world. Uh, why, I, I, what I don't understand is how people just don't know what Islam teaches and that this is the logical outworkings of the Islamic worldview. This is, this is supposed to happen if you believe that Islam is true. And why people are worried about Islamophobia, that'd be like, oh, we should not you know, rally against white supremacists because we don't want to have Nazi-phobic people around. We don't want to be Nazi-phobia. <laughs> well, uh, you know, again, you know, we talked about the spiritual battle that goes on. Uh, again, our friend Amir Sirfati on his uh, Telegram uh, feed uh, posted this, and, and I think it bears repeating. He said, make no mistake, I can see a satanic attack regarding Israel coming not only from the progressive left and Muslim world. I see the possibility growing also among so-called Christians. Apart from standard replacement theology preachers, there are white supremacy nationalists who are trending on social media. Mm. Joining them are those who are into conspiracy theories. More and more Israeli Jews are approaching me saying, why is it that even the Christians are now turning against Israel? I keep telling them that true Christians are still there to love and support the Jewish people. Then they show me posts from people whom they consider friends, and to their astonishment, these posts are full of lies and satanic propaganda, such as the evil government of Israel did that to its people to help the government in America. This is classic Holocaust denial. Hmm. Eighty years ago, the same type of people accused the Jews of instigating the Holocaust so uh, that they could have a Jewish state. Only a sick and diabolical mind can come up with such nonsense. God will eventually judge them, and I will do everything I can to expose them. If you belong to this cult of Israel is behind it, I'm asking you to leave this channel and not be a part of any Behold Israel platforms or activities. Hmm. Wow. I've had to unsubscribe to conservatives that I thought were believers. Well, they claim to be believers and have made anti-Semitic because I believe that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. They're one and the same. You can't separate the two, as many have tried. <clears throat> and uh, it was just shock and horror that people would liken the conflict as, oh, it's uh, the way they worded it, quote, this is just a land dispute between two ethnic groups that have been battling it out over land for 75 years. Yeah. No. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you know that the one side is Islamic and that their cardinal doctrines are Wipe out the Jews. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, here's the other thing. If you think it's going to stop there, you're wrong hmm. because their same prophet instructs them to go against the people of the book. Yeah. That is the Christians as well. Anyone that does not subscribe to Islam, it's part of the worldwide caliphate, hmm. has two options, either to bow the knee and pay what they call the jizya, the, uh, this 90% yeah. tax on everything that you've got. In essence, be a slave, mm -hmm. or um, 
be beheaded. Those are your options. And it is interesting that the book of Revelation talks about those who were beheaded during the tribulation period. Yeah, I, I don't, don't, I don't think that's, I, I don't think that, that's necessarily a, a reference to Islam per se, but when, you know, it, it's like there's sort of a conditioning that goes on. Um, you know, the first shot over the bow is uh, beheading people who are your enemies. When you're beheading infants, children, throwing a child in an oven and, and baking that infant to death, um, you're, in a sense, conditioning people to be able to accept more and more and more outrageous behavior. Uh, you know, I just think the, uh, the overwhelming violence mm. that we see uh, represented uh, on, uh, you know, the media, sometimes even uh, through games and things like this, is incredibly desensitizing to people. Uh, and, and if we were to actually think through and actually, like some of those, uh, those in the press corps were granted basically unedited access to 45 minutes of Hamas video footage, uh, essentially glorifying themselves and what they were doing, <clears throat> were getting sick to their stomachs. And I think many of us who have not seen these atrocities like that, who have not even dared going looking on the dark web to find clips of this, are in sort of a cognitive dissonance frame that, well, this couldn't possibly happen. Oh, like, well, if you, if, if you want to see it, um, again, go on Amir Sarfati's Telegram channel. He has the appropriate warnings before hmm. you click. But the IDF has made available, not IDF-produced propaganda things simulating what may have happened, but uh, the actual postings that Hamas terrorists had of what they were doing during these attacks, exactly what they do to they did to these innocent Jewish people, some grandmas, some Holocaust survivors, some little children, some having to watch these things happen, parents having to watch their children tortured or, or, or vice versa. And these are all things that they were boasting and bragging about on their own media sites. So, you know, it, 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 frog in the kettle, you know, kind of the, the temperature slowly mm. being turned up. But like I said, you know, we founded this program on 9-11. And, uh, boy, you know, we've been at it, uh, gosh, you know, going on over 20 some years now in all the time that we have done the program, I have never seen more spiritually perilous times, more blatantly prophetically significant times, uh, more times where the conflict between light and darkness mm. is right straight flat out in your face the times we live in right now mm. and uh you know in a sense it's it's very bitter uh, i almost feel like that famous uh scene from uh the return of the king uh where frodo says to gandalf i wish the ring would have never come to me mm. and he said so do all who live to see such times but it is not up to us to decide what times are given to us. It is up to decide what to do with the times that we are given. Wow. And uh, here's a, a newsflash. God knew exactly where you and I would be placed in his timeline, hmm. in his prophetic timeline. And everybody that's listening out there, same thing is true. God knew exactly when you would come into this world, when you would come to know Jesus, and he has very special and powerful things that he wants to do in and through you 
to be a unique shining light in these very, very dark and confusing times. So in a sense, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I just, I'm, no, don't think of it that way. Think of this as God's compliment. God looking at you and saying, you know, I saved you and I'm going to mm. equip you and you uniquely more than say, you know, people who lived through the fifties or, or things along that line where things seem mm. somewhat stable or something like that, at least for a little while, uh, you know, little house on the prairie times, those sort of things. Uh, you know, more than these people, and I'm not saying that they aren't going to get their reward and they didn't have their challenges, but more than, than anyone else, we living on the edge of when Jesus is going to come back for us as his people. Mm. Boy, that really is a compliment in a sense because God has not only uh, chosen us to live in a time like this, he's yeah. equipped us to live in a time like this, and he wants to be glorified in and through our lives in a time like this, yeah. which really is just... Mind-blowing when you think about it. And it's not a cause to fear, but to absolutely rejoice. And all the more, like you always say, this is not a time to be considering that uh, deep, dark sin that you've been contemplating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd definitely be putting that off. <clears throat> well, I was writing my uh, update for my newsletter today, and I quoted you as saying, well, just remember that Israel is the, the stick that stirs the pot on yeah. global events. Yeah. I hope yeah. I got Straw that right. Straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, wow. Thank you so Time much for... Time flies when you're doing prophecy. Well, it worked out. We didn't get a lot of uh, uh, action, but uh, Taylor, I did get your question. We'll get to that tomorrow. Uh, thank you for tuning in. God bless you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you tomorrow. Maranatha, he's coming soon. Mm, amen. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.